2: Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. I'm Charlie Wright and today is March 20th, 2015. We're very pleased to have with us today Mike McDaniel, co-founder and chief investment officer of Risk Riskalyze. Mike talks to us from their headquarters in Auburn, California. Mike, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio.
3: Hey, welcome to to you, and thanks for having me on. Very excited about the time we get to have together today. Okay,
2: we look forward to it as well here, Mike. So, Mike, uh, give us a little of your background, and tell us about Riskalyze.
3: A little bit of my background would be I started managing money for myself and was baptized the hard way, where I invested very, very young, and was invested outside of my, my risk tolerance, so to speak. Got spooked, sold out at the wrong time. A few years later, got... Comfortable with the market, being that it was at a high, I thought it'd probably be a good time to start investing again. Invested, uh, got spooked again, uh, sold out at a low. Uh, that's how I got uh, introduced to the investing world, so to speak. Shortly after that, I had an advisor that actually talked me into getting my licenses. I had a finance degree. Uh, you know, years later, started managing money and had a book of uh, you know clientele that I managed money for, and came across some technology that was extremely interesting to me and some intellectual property. And so that, I think, comes to what we'll talk about today, which is the, the birth and, and the growth and, and the uh, value add that Riskalyze is bringing to the table for both advisors and their investors.
2: So tell us about Riskalyze. What is it that you guys do for whom and how?
3: Well, Riskalyze is a technology that helps advisors build individualized portfolios for their clients. So Riskalyze calculates what we refer to as risk tolerance or risk preferences of the investor, and then we take it two steps further where once we know the risk tolerance, we can help the advisor build a portfolio that has a statistical probability of staying within that risk tolerance. And then the the final step, as we see it right now, is that we have a retirement mapping feature that, again, uses math to calculate the probability of success given that portfolio and whatever those retirement needs are.
2: So tell us what, what tell us how do you define and how do you quantify risk tolerance?
3: Yeah, that is the that is the uh, the million dollar question. So everybody's got a little bit different view of that, and we'll talk about some of those semantics. Uh, the way we look at risk, we've tried to take something that is very uh, untransparent or maybe even confusing and really boil it down. So Riskalyze actually takes a bunch of calculations behind the scenes and converts them into a risk number. So many we've heard our, our risk number compared to like the sleep number for beds. And that risk number tells you know, we calculate an investor's risk number and that helps communicate to the investor and the advisor how much downside, how much of a loss that investor could stomach before they become Irrational. Really, before they start leaning on their emotions to make decisions, which we know from decades worth of research is, is the wrong basis to make a, a decision of most kinds, in uh, especially financially. So, when we talk about the definition of risk, um, typically the you know the the academic definition is the the extent to which the expected outcome or or the true outcome differs from the expected outcome, and that's again, difficult for most people to understand, Uh, so we've transferred that into what we call a risk number. And that risk number with us goes from zero to 99. Someone that's 99 is very uh, risk-seeking, can stomach a lot of risk, and someone that's maybe a, a 25 is someone that does not is not able to stomach much much risk or volatility.
2: Now when you're talking about uh, a portfolio loss, you don't really mean loss, you mean how much the portfolio was down because it, there's a, a loss only occurs when we sell.
3: Exactly. But what we know is that an investor will look at a statement and even though, you know, I'm using air quotes which we can't see on the radio, there are paper losses and true losses. Uh, we know that the, the psychology of the investor is negatively affected if their threshold for pain uh, is, is passed or, or exceeded. And so you're exactly right. There's a difference between actual loss and, and, and uh, paper loss. And what our goal is is to have investors invested within their, their comfort zone to where even the paper losses. Don't negatively affect their psyche enough to where they make an emotional decision.
2: So, if I understand this correctly, let's say uh, somebody comes, uh, somebody is using this. They go to an advisor who's using this, and then the advisor helps them to determine how much their portfolio could be down in a given year before they would make a move. Exactly. What so their the, comfort the... level is for for uh, uh, the downside of the portfolio value.
3: Exactly, It's really about setting expectations at the end of the day. What our our industry has historically done wrong, in our opinion, is that an advisor will say, let's have a discussion. We'll use terms like conservative and moderate and aggressive, all of which will have different definitions, but we'll use those anyway. Then we'll put you into a portfolio, and this portfolio, and I'm going to grab a number out of this guy, is going to hopefully average about a 7% a year return. And what we've done is we've set an expectation that that portfolio should make 7% a year, and we ignore the fact that there's inherently going to be some volatility to that. And so what Riskalyze brings to the table is the expectation is not 7% a year. The expectation is we're going to invest you in a portfolio that has a actually a 95% statistical probability of, of actually being down as much as, let's say, 10% and possibly make as much as, fifteen percent over the next six months. And so you're setting the expectation that this is a an investment portfolio that is going to fluctuate. And what you've done for both the investor and the advisor is you've made a, a very small target that used to be that seven percent you know target into a very large target that's more realistic in that expected range.
2: So your software helps the client to determine what their uh, risk uh, level is And let's just say that's on the downside of 10%, then it identifies what the probable um, 95% standard deviation. Uh, on the upside would be so let's just say that's 15 percent so then the advisor can tell the client okay so if the maximum downside is 10 percent the maximum upside is 15 percent are you satisfied with that and so the client can say no i'm not satisfied with that i want a higher upside well to get a higher upside you have to take a lower downside and so you work with the client to help them to determine that is that correct
3: exactly exactly Exactly.
2: Okay. And,
3: and so one of the – you know, you get to the, the concept that we're trying to break is that if, if someone asks you for an efficient way to travel from California to New York City and they tell you they want to get there in, in the next – you know, tomorrow, and yet they tell you they're afraid of flying – You've got, you've got to change the you know, discussion changes drastically. What could have been a fairly easy discussion of getting on a plane and, and being there in a you know, very short period of time, now you, you've got to have a realistic or what we call an adult conversation to say, look, you, you can't get there from here you know, with the restrictions you have. So if you, you're telling me as an investor that you want to retire at age 55, saving X dollars a month, but you don't want to take any risk, I'm, I'm going to tell you the probability of that ever happening is extremely low. And so you, it's about education and, and turning it into something again that's actionable.
2: Okay. And so where does Riskalyze take it from there?
3: Yeah. So really, the, the a lot of advisors start with that first step, which is identifying what is the natural uh, tendency or what that comfort zone is of the investor. The next step is for the advisor to take their you know their economic outlook, the investments that they like to use, and build a portfolio that has a you know, statistical probability of staying in that comfort zone. And then that third and final step would be to essentially test that given the retirement needs of that investor. So, again, here's what you're telling me your risk tolerance is. Here's a portfolio that will stay in there. Now let's test that against what your plan is for retirement and see if we need to make some adjustments. So the adjustments could come in you know, needing to save more per month or delaying, uh, retirement. You may, you, know, you may need to make adjustments like that, or you can go back and say, now, I know you told me your comfort zone is, is you know, risk number 55, but we may need to get you up to a risk number 60 in order to get you that retirement goal that you want. And it's, again, in the discussion, at the end of the day, you've designed an individualized portfolio for that investor.
2: And uh, are you able to analyze and evaluate their current portfolio to determine what its risk number is?
3: Absolutely. So one of the one of the most typical flows that we see is that a from a prospect perspective that an advisor will present a prospect or help them uncover or discover what their risk tolerance is. Then they will put in their existing portfolio, and we're finding that roughly four out of five portfolios are invested in excess of the investor's risk tolerance. And so the, the advisor is then able to come back to that prospective client and say, look, we've, we've identified your risk tolerance as X, let's say risk number 55, your portfolio right now is invested as an 85, you're at high risk of capitulating which is a you know, fancy jargon for making an irrational decision. If the markets turn against us, and we know that it's typically not an if question; it's just a matter of when. And so, my suggestion would be to dial back the risk in your portfolio. And I have a you know I have a suggested way that we would do that. We'd be looking at you know tax consequences, if any, and maybe going into some different asset classes that'll help diversify the portfolio. And that's where the advisor brings their know-how, their experience, and their value add to the table.
2: You know, one thing that you guys uh, appear to do very well here, Mike, is that you quantify uh, an investor's risk tolerance. Uh, typically, we take a look, when we look at these uh, risk tolerance questionnaires, they're ridiculous, really. And uh, many advisors that I know don't even give those risk uh, tolerance questionnaires anymore because what do they tell you? And then once you get the scores... What is a conservative investment? Conservative portfolio. What is a moderate portfolio? What's a moderately aggressive portfolio? I mean, there are no definite, well-defined um, numbers for any of those things, and you can almost make up anything, and in many situations, you know, be ver- have very, very different consequences.
3: Yeah, they, the typical. The reason that we brought a, a quantifiable risk questionnaire to the market is is really the. The weakness of the, the, the historical risk questionnaires or surveys is at least twofold. One is they are subjective, meaning someone, you know, whether it's a psychological you know testing or otherwise, someone is typically tasked with having to weight the answers to that question. So if you ask ten questions, are they weighted evenly? Are they somehow weighted, you know? Otherwise, and at the end of the day, it's subjective because, number one, the, the questions are not quantifiable. Number two, someone's got to wait which questions or which answers are more important than others, and that's number one. Number two is when you come to a quote-unquote solution, it's exactly that. It's putting you into a bucket that's just an in the, you know, industry semantic for conservative or moderate, etc of which that doesn't have a, any teeth to it as far as it's not defined by numbers or dollar amounts. And so what we've brought to the table is something that, that wipes clean the, the semantics that were have essentially hurt the industry. And one of the ways that I love to show this to both advisors and investors alike is when I have a room full of you know more than three people and I ask them to raise their hand based on the definition I would give to moderate or conservative – they're, you're never going to get a consistent, you know, hand raise. So I'll ask somebody, here's the definition, and tell them, here, you know, would, how would you categorize this? Would you categorize that as aggressive or moderate? And half the room's hand will, will raise for moderate, half the hands, you know, will raise for conservative. So, again, we're putting dollar amounts, and we're quantifying semantics that make, uh, make the expectations known and at the end of the day it's more understandable and actionable for both the investor and the advisor.
2: Okay, we'll hold that right there uh, Mike. We're going to take a short break. We're li- we're talking to Mike McDaniel, co-founder and chief investment officer of Risk Allies out of Auburn, California, and you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio.net. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm.
1: According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel, if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. All right, let's pick it back up with Charlie and his guest.
2: Thank you, Paul. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. I'm Charlie Wright, and today we're talking with Mike McDaniel, co-founder, chief investment officer of Riskalyze. So a question for you here, Mike, it says that you're chief investment officer, but you guys don't manage any money, you just provide the software to investment advisors. So tell us, uh, what is there to invest in Riskalyze that you're the chief investment officer?
3: Yeah, so you know, right now, the reason that I assumed, for lack of a better term, that title is the fact that we have investments inside of our tool. So we have 140,000 variable annuity sub-accounts. We have every U.S.-traded stock, ETF, mutual fund. We've got up to 10,000 separately managed account strategies, a couple hundred non-publicly traded investments, etc. all of which have a very unique, call it, track record or risk return uh, metrics that we would use in trying to model those for uh, the advisor and the investor. And so my, one of my roles at, at Riskalyze and r- why I use that, the term uh, title Chief Investment Officer is that all of the methodologies that we will use to model that uh, the risk number of an investment or a portfolio uh, basically need to go through my litmus test and my, the rest of my investment team's litmus test to make sure that we're not overstating return and or overstating risk uh, to that investment class or portfolio.
2: Well, that's got to be a, of, a, yeah. a super challenge for you here, Mike, because with all of the commodities, all of the equities funds, and all of the third-party manager strategies that exist these days, Uh, You know, it must be a very daunting challenge to determine what the standard deviations are on those, what time periods to use, how to figure that out, how to put that all into a system so that it shows that uh, immediately in a few nanoseconds uh, to an advisor to be able to uh, give direction to a client.
3: Exactly. And one of the things that that we try to incorporate into our analysis Which you know is stuff that's behind the scenes, maybe not all that exciting to hear about, but is the you know the expense you know of of investments. There's a myriad of different ways uh, that the managers can get paid. There's liquidity concerns, uh, or in some most cases or a lot of cases illiquidity concerns. Uh, All those types of of kind of nuanced differences between asset classes or investments vehicles. Uh, essentially keep me employed. (laughs) So yeah, it's more than a full-time job.
2: How long has Riskalyze been doing this here, Mike?
3: We've been crunching through portfolios since uh, 2011, and we uh, we went out to essentially vet the technology, refine the methodology through 2011, 2012, uh, mid to late 2013, brought the advisor product to the world, and uh, so we've, we've been going... Uh, strong with the advisor product now for a couple of years.
2: Okay, and uh, again, uh, this is not uh, available to the general public. It's only for advisors, correct? Correct. Okay, so uh, tell us what what are the kinds of challenges that that you're finding in the system? I mean, nothing works perfectly. You guys are fairly uh, new and young with this. It's been going, it sounds like, for a couple of years. Uh, what are you finding, and what are you refining?
3: Yeah, one of, the, one of the biggest challenges is the, the industry's propensity to use what, what is known as back-tested data. So you'll have a strategy that's maybe existed for three or four years, and they'll provide us data that goes back to 1985. And all that data from, you know, four years plus ago is back-tested. So it's, it's generated by an algorithm or a computer program. And so for us to try to put that through, you know, a litmus test – um, and basically vet it, that it, that it is something that uh, can be replicated in real life, you know, given uh, volume in, in whatever they're trading, uh, the markets of, w- of what they're trading, et cetera. Uh, that's been one of the challenges, uh, certainly, and that's more for the obscure, call it the SMA strategies or uh, trading strategies or even a, an ind- institutional strategy that just recently came to the mutual fund side. So those that's definitely... One of the, one of the challenges.
2: And so you're 95% that you're using, that you're 95% sure that the client will not go beyond their risk tolerance in any given year, recognizing that there are always black swans and they're always surprises. But how do you come up with that 95%? Do you go back, back tested to 1985? Yeah. Do you only take real time numbers? How do you handle yeah, that, uh, that they, 95%?
3: That is a great- Yeah, that is a great question. Our methodology, so when you look at trying to model, you know, what is likely to happen over some future epoch of time, you've got a number of different uh, questions to be asking yourself, one of which is, if we're going to use historical data, which Riskalyze uses, over what time period are we going to gather our statistics from? So are we going to go back to an what we would refer to as an arbitrary, you know, last six months or last one year or three years time period and calculate those statistics, or is there a, a more robust uh, time period or, or, or methodology? Our methodology, by design, goes back and gathers and calculates using real market data, so the actual price history of each security in our, in our system goes back to January first, two 2008 through yesterday. And we do that because we want our statistics to include good, bad, and ugly markets. So we don't want to assume that whatever happened in the last six months is going to happen in the next six months, or we don't want to use an arbitrary one, three, or five-year period of time. We're, we're dead set on, and the analysis suggests that we should be, we're dead set on using data, statistics, standard deviation, correlation, uh, return from a full market cycle. And so what that does to us is that makes our modeling of the, the expected risk far more robust than picking a, an arbitrary time period.
2: I see. And so but, one of the challenges, of course, is and for the past couple of years that this has existed, we've had nothing but bull markets here. So
3: Exactly. <laughs> so that's, why, that's why we insist on using data from 2008-2009. Uh, what you see happen in 2008-2009, to state the obvious, is that correlations of asset classes almost all went to one. They did. Volatility went through the roof, and so we've got those statistics, in, you know, in our calculations.
2: Okay. So tell us, in regards to your service, what what keeps you awake at night here, Mike?
3: Well, I think you, you mentioned it with black swans. Um, I think that probably keeps everyone awake at night, whether they're trying to model markets or, or uh, you know, drive truck across the country it's uh that's probably the biggest concern that i have um you know and i can't even you know by definition i don't know what that black swan would look like um but that i I can't think of a better answer to that
2: okay do you have any statistics of uh when you're outside that 95 percent um you know how, how far off it could possibly be
3: uh, the statistics that we run when we grade our uh, our probability range and thus our risk score, um, we found so the last time we did a really deep analysis of that, we we found that less than one percent of our portfolios broke out of the range. So we essentially are giving a an expected. Uh, you know, we, we expect that up to 5% of the portfolios built in our system could be out of range, and we've yet to break the, I think, 1.2% of those ever that ever happening. Okay. So our, yeah, so that's been, and that's, you know, you can look at the last few years and say, you know, the market's been uptrending. It's been, you know, it should have been pretty easy. Um, but keep in mind, the U.S. stock market has been that way. The the foreign markets have not been that way certainly commodities have not been that way that's correct been,
2: excellent point yeah
3: certainly been sectors so there's there's definitely um it hasn't been all uh sunshine and, and lollipops right
2: so tell us well, what are advisors telling you about the product good, good bad and ugly what, what are they saying
3: yeah, we are. We're hearing, you know, rave reviews about the product. Uh, advisors love it because it's taking something that they've always had to do from a compliance standpoint, which is know your customer, and they've they've had to rely on in the past, as you mentioned, kind of these these risk questionnaires that they know weren't really any good, but they had to do something to paper the file, and so they're they're loving the fact that here's something that not only papers a file but makes their you know their offering and their value add you know, substantially higher than anything that they've had in the past. So we're hearing rave reviews from that. We're hearing uh, the, you know, the the drive from investors to be more a little bit more involved from a, um, you know, client relationship standpoint. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're, we're hearing that advisors and really clients are pleased with the fact that we're 100% objective. And that's something that you know, we have as a benefit by using math is that it, the math speaks for itself. Um, and we're, we're hearing constantly from advisors uh, the benefits of that where they can go and say, look, you, how you're invested in your do-it-yourself in, in portfolio or with another advisor is, is not serving you as well as it could, and I can prove it using objective math.
2: Yeah, and I would think that also it helps to uh, reduce, if not eliminate, those situations that uh, all advisors have, where a client complains in uh, in the up years that they didn't get a greater portion of the uh, of the upside, and yet then they complain in the down years that they got too much of the downside, and uh, yeah, to tell be, them yeah. you 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 can't do both, okay. Yep. Uh, if you want to be protected, you have to give up more on the upside. And that sounds good in theory, sitting there talking, but at the end of the period when you're looking at returns, that's not always how the client sees it. And they, well, so-and-so got a higher return in their portfolio. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and then to just talk about, yes, but risk tolerance in general terms, et cetera, can be very frustrating. So I can see this being very productive in that situation.
3: Yeah, as a matter of fact, the... In early 2014, we were hearing from many advisors that said, thank God for Riskalyze because I had clients coming to me in January, February of 2014. If you recall, 2013, the market went to the moon. The S&P was up over 30%, and yet those many client portfolios, especially retirees, didn't, didn't come anywhere near that and what advisors were able to do is say, look, remember that risk questionnaire we we walked through and talked through and verified together? It said you didn't want to have a portfolio that was above a risk score of a 50. Well, the S&P is a risk score of an 85. So it it made that discussion considerably shorter, and then it built upon itself because you could say, okay, now going forward, do we want to go after or chase market returns, or we want to stay with our original plan that's within your risk tolerance? So it." It changed that discussion, and again, the beauty was, it it uses, you know, quantifiable, you know, data points where you could say, "Look, we're a risk number forty-five. The you know, the, the market's an eighty-five. I can certainly push you up closer to an eighty-five. But is that really what you want? And let's look and see if we need that. Let's look at your retirement plan, etc. And we'll we'll make sure that this is all working together. So we you know we definitely saw that at the through 2013 and early 2014 where it made the discussion about why they they had a, an underperformance to the market and it's easy to point out you know, why that is.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I thought of you guys the other day. I was listening on the radio and I heard uh, this uh, financial advisor say, Come in for a second opinion. Actually, it was a commercial. Yeah. Come in for a second opinion. Well, everybody says that, you know, in the agency, in the industry. Come in for a second opinion. Well,. You know when you bring it in for a second opinion, they're going to be able to poke holes in it because, you know, they want the business. What yours does is it makes it quantifiable, and somebody walks in, you give them the test, it says they're a 45, their portfolio says they're a 92, you know they're out of sync, or the opposite. It says they're an 82, and their portfolio says they're a 28, or something like that. They're out of sync with that, and it gives a quantifiable way of addressing that, not just the subjective way, of just talking about, well, it's uh, not—it's a little more conservative than I would be, uh, or some yeah, kind of I, statement like that.
3: Yeah, it's interesting the the focus on objectivity. Where I I help out with the the support channel, anytime there's a kind of an advisor-focused question, because of my background, they it gets punted to me. And I had a more than one instance where an advisor will send me a portfolio and say, "Hey, here's this prospect that is coming in for a second opinion." their risk numbers are 55, they're with the broker down the street, and they're invested as a 54, what would you do to win this account? And multiple times I've had to come back and say, you know, you're going to have to use your charm or something else because they're in a pretty darn good portfolio. <laughs> and, and, and you can't, you know, it, it, the, that's where the, the math says that it is what it is, and so you're not... You know, you, you can't game the system. In other words,
2: yeah, and that, that's excellent. And and you know, when people w- want to take a, a you know give a second opinion, they're going to game the system. That, that's just the way it works. Exactly. They, they they want the business. So tell us, uh, we have got a final question here. We like to ask all of our guests, uh, Mike. Tell us um, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners?
3: Uh, that's a great question. Does it just have to be one?
2: <laughs> no, no,
3: uh, you can. Yeah, you know, one that's a little, probably uh, a little bit on the the less red list that shouldn't be is one that's called the Risk Wise Investor, and, and who's by that Michael by Carpenter, Michael Who, Carpenter, Michael
2: Carpenter, the Risk Wise Investor. I have not heard of that, so thank you for yeah, recommending that's it one
3: that. That I would say is is not. Too cumbersome for a do-it-yourself investor to read, and not too too light for an advisor to read and get something out of. So I think it, it plays for a wide audience. Yeah, you know, the other two that I would follow up on, one would, would be uh, I love Nassim Taleb. So I would say Anti-Fragile is one of my my favorite books, and there's certainly some investing uh, tidbits in there. Uh, and then as far as psychology and investing goes, I really like Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman.
2: Okay, well, those are uh, different books. The only challenge with Nasim Taleb is you have to have a dictionary nearby in order to read his books.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's he's fun, he's fun to read for me, and he's he's got a, a great grasp of, I'm a, a, a philosophy guy at heart, and he's got a great... Uh, he does. A, ...a great amount of uh, philosophy and... Um, in that in, the, in his background and you can see it and hear it and read it through his readings
2: yes and for for our listeners he, he wrote the black swan so that's that's uh, how I how I know him so how do people find Riskalize?
3: so we make it pretty easy so we go to riskalize.com uh, and I would encourage uh, anybody that's interested to go check out our blog so com.
2: ok how, and spell riskalize for us please
3: R-I-S- K A L Y Z E.
2: Okay, risk allies. All right, and also if anybody like any information on risk allies, you're welcome to uh, shoot us an email here at strategicinvestorradio.com at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. We'd be more than happy to respond. So, parting words for our listeners uh, before we close off here, Mike.
3: Well, I say, you know, everybody's got a, a personality and it's given to them by all the experiences they've had through life, and investing's no different. So our goal is to help advisors pinpoint an investor's risk tolerance, engineer a portfolio to stay within that, and uh, check its probability of success going forward. And uh, we're happy to help investors match themselves to the perfect portfolio for their investor personality.
2: Well, Mike, thank you very much. This has been most interesting and certainly enlightening, and you have a very different, uh, unique and valuable service, and we appreciate you sharing that with us here today. We've been talking Great. with thank Mike you, Mc... really. you bet. We've been talking with Mike McDaniel, co-founder and Chief Investment Officer of Risk Allies in Auburn, California. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. dot net. I'm Charlie Wright, and we wish you happy and productive investing.
0: Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with Partner Vest Advisory Services LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Partner Vest Advisory Services LLC or Charlie Wright. Partner Vest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.